0: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. with Charles W. Chuck Bryant. And uh, this is a rare, unusual mathematical <laughs> uh
0: Episode of Stuff You Should Know. Yes, and I'm just going to step out of the room, and I'll be back in, what, 25 <laughs> I minutes? you were going
1: to do this. <laughs> this is not going to be another yo-yo episode. Oh, I just hate math. This was this, was... this is not math-heavy at all. It's yeah. about the
0: history of zero. It's about the weirdness of zero. My hero zero. Exactly. Till you came zero along, people counted on their fingers and toes. I posted that today on Facebook. I don't know what that is. The Schoolhouse Rock. Oh, I don't remember. My that. Hero Zero. I don't remember that one. Till you came along, keep they going it on her fingers and toes. Yeah. It's basically you would appreciate it because it sings what you wrote.
1: Oh, that's great.
0: In a much more basic way, but basically trying to teach kids how amazing zero is and don't discount it as just it's a number, it's not the absence of something.
1: Well, there's Although a lot. There's a bunch to it. It's Ooh. many, many things. It's a multifaceted uh number. Not. No. It's a multifaceted entity. Zilch. Well, null is German for zero. Did you know that? Bupkis. Yeah. Bubkis is, I believe, Spanish for zero.
0: Zilch. Zilch is Cajun. <laughs> I did actually get a little etymology research. Originally, Sanskrit was sunya, which meant empty. Mm-hmm. Then later, Arabic was safira, or nothing. Mm -hmm. Then Italian was Zafiro, and then finally French gave us zero.
1: Right. And it wasn't, you know, we represent zero as something that looks confusingly like an O. Yeah. Right? That was the Europeans who did that. Prior to that, the Arabs, and I believe the Indians too, um, represented
0: zero with a heavy dot. You know where that might have come from? Where? Robert Kaplan's book, The Nothing That Is... A Natural History of Zero. Mm-hmm. He speculates that the shape comes from the round depression left in the sand, uh, a sand counting board, once you remove a stone from it. Wow. So the absence sight. would be a round thing. That's what he th- he thinks. He speculates.
1: But that wouldn't, that wouldn't have been the Europeans. It was the Europeans that came up with that.
0: Well, no, but you said- uh, uh, Like a heavy dot. Yeah, a heavy dot. But a solid could dot. Could be the depression where a stone was in so. sand. That's a good one. Who was that? Robert Kaplan. Thanks, Mr. Kaplan. <laughs> um,
1: well, I guess I feel like we've kind of done a pretty good setup here, Chuck. I think so too. Uh, we've talked about how zero is multifaceted, um, and we you we talked about the Arabs and the Indians, right? Yeah. Um, and we have to go back even further to first find when zero
0: made itself known. Should we get in the Wayback Machine? Let's, I think, let's blow the dust off of this thing. <coughs> Sorry. Wow. So that was right at you. You think this thing still works? Let's find out. You ready? Yeah. Hey, look at there. Wow. Lit up like a flux capacitor. This is nice.
1: Um, we're back in uh, ancient Sumer, and these baked clay tablets haven't even been baked yet. They're still wet. Look. Wow. J-O-S-H was here. Cool. Yeah. Um, so, Chuck, if you'll look at this, uh, clay tablet, do you see these two, uh, diagonal lines? Yeah, those little wedges? Yeah. Those, my friend, represent nothing. Really? And the, the reason they're there is because round about this time, somebody figured out they ran into a problem in, uh, when they were making some sort of tax record or grain inventory that, um, you know, showing that Basically, writing out three thousand lines That's for the three thousand heads of cattle—that sure. doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But let's say you have um, three hundred. You have three thousand heads of cattle, and all you have are the ways to represent three hundred heads of cattle. Yeah. There's a big difference, right? There's an extra digit in there. Yeah. And that those two uh, diagonal lines were used to represent one of those digits when there was not any digits there, but there's something to the left
0: of it and something to the right of it. That's right. And Kaplan also said that before that even, they just would leave a blank space sometimes before they even came up with the little wedges. Right. So what what this is all based on is
1: basically our numerical system, where if you look at a string of numbers, right? Yeah. Starting from the right, you have the ones column, the tens column, the hundreds, the thousands, the ten thousands. The hundred thousands and so on. You want me to keep going? Ad infinitum. Right, yes. Um, and in each of these columns, there may or may not be numbers present. So when there are numbers present, we
0: have our friend zero to serve as what's considered a placeholder. Yeah, makes, I mean, it's very <clears throat> easy to just say, well, the now, but way back then, before there was a zero, that, you know, we take it very much for granted. now. Yeah. I think. this is huge. This changed everything. Changed everything. Um, all of
1: a sudden now, because I mean, we said there's a big difference between three thousand head of cattle and three hundred head of cattle, and by putting a zero there, right, saying yeah. this this column is represented, it, there's just not any in here. You're not going to find the two cattle that should be in this. Right. It, that changed everything. It changed everything. It I made, bet there was
0: frustrating before that. Yeah. You're like, if only there was. Something to put there.
1: Yeah. And, and I guess when they left, like, just trust me, I have 3,000 right. cattle, okay?
0: <laughs> and I guess when they left the blank space, that got confusing because they could have thought it was an error. So they figured we have to put something there so they know it's not just an oversight. Right, exactly. And that's the uh, diagonal lines. Well, in this, uh, I think before it even became that standardized, it was, they used different things because uh, they found a tablet from 700 BC and a dude used three little hooks to represent zero. Well that would have been after that cuz uh, the Sumerians were doing this like oh, 5000 really? years ago. Oh, well it's probably hard to
1: get the word around. <laughs> right. You know. Three hooks. What is this crud <laughs> yeah, exactly? Um so the uh, the Sumerians are the first documented to to come up or stumble upon zero as a placeholder. Sure. And then it was um, codified with the invention of the abacus which uses, you know, our um numerical column system right. that we use today. Um, which was invented by the Babylonians about 300, 500 BC. Wow.
0: Right? Smart folks back then.
1: So, we have zero as a placeholder. We have this understanding now that there's, there's something out there like we can represent nothingness. Yeah. But it wasn't until, um, the 5th century AD in India where zero first comes about as a concept as a number.
0: Which is equally
1: groundbreaking.
0: Yeah, and this nothingness, we should point out, was not something that people were comfortable with back then. Uh, True. Oddly, now it seems odd, but Mm. to have something represent nothing made people very uncomfortable. It was uh, associated with chaos and the great void and even the sign of the devil. Yes, it was. Well, I mean, if you look at the Christian theology,
1: um, the void... Which is represented by zero or nothingness. Yeah, was the state of the universe before the creation of man, humans. Sure, uh, Sikhs feel the same way too. Although I don't know how they felt about zero. Oh really? But that was their their. That's their conception as well. It, there was nothing. There's void, um, and then also void fits well with chaos, which is the Christian conception of hell. Right. Like no the, one's in charge. Right. So yeah, it was avoided. I don't know. I went back and looked, Chuck, after I wrote this article. Um, when we were studying today, I went back and looked and I didn't find a lot of support for that. I didn't either. I did see that like, um, the, during the dark ages, monks kind of were probably, they feared
0: zero. Well, Kaplan mentioned it in his book, so.
1: But, I mean, it was out there, but there's no, well, these people did this. They killed right. this guy for saying the word zero. There was nothing right. like that out there. I think more, uh, more to the point, it was the Romans who just didn't use zero. And the West was built by Rome, and um, and that's, I think, where the uh, shunning of zero came from. Not necessarily from fear, but just because the Roman numeral system doesn't have zero.
0: Yeah, I I found where they flirted with it at first, with the nulla, Uh N-U-L-L-A, which they would represent with a little N, but it clearly didn't take. No. they said, we're not going to use it as zero. No.
1: Why would we ever need zero? We don't need it as zero. Right. Did they talk like that back then too?
0: Yeah, like Vinny from Brooklyn? Sure. I think so. Uh, So where are we? In India? Yeah, we're in the 5th century
1: uh, AD in India, and a guy named um, Aryabhata is possibly the person who invented zero. Really? Possibly. Or discovered, as you like to say? Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for correcting me with my own words. <laughs> I know. That That's happens weird. a lot, doesn't it? <laughs> when they're your articles. So, um, there, it, it is pretty, pretty much universally accepted that zero was uh, created or discovered <clears throat> in India. And then it spread pretty quickly over, um, to, uh, Islamic nations, yeah. Arab nations. Um, and the, it was the Arabs who taught a guy named Fibonacci. Leonardo of Pisa, uh, who was a great mathematician of the West in the, uh, I think, the 12th century or the 13th century.
0: You know people are going to say, do the, the Fibonacci number. Go ahead. Well, no, no, no. People are going to ask for that podcast. Oh, okay. In fact, they've already been asking for that podcast. Do you want to do that one? Yeah. you want to? Maybe. Probably not. <laughs> okay. Well, Fibonacci was um, the
1: son of a customs officer in Algeria, Chuck. yes and he had uh arabic tutors and they said hey kid we're going to teach you how to really do math because by this time by the uh i think the 1200s um, or the 1100s so the yeah. 12th century uh the arabs were very well versed in mathematics sure. and the west was still just complete idiots fortunately fibonacci was over there getting tutored yeah. and he figured out wow this is really really important and introduced our uh, Arabic numeral system, which we use today, uh, to the West through a book. So you said he wrote a book. Did he write the book? No, he wasn't the only one. Okay. Oh, okay, no, that's not true. For the West, yes, he wrote the book. And then other people wrote treatises on his book. Okay, so, so he was pretty was much set the basis. Yes. Okay. He was the, uh, the, the fulcrum, the hinge between West and Middle East. A zero is a fulcrum. Yes, it is. Interesting. Um, so he was the one who introduced it to the West, but again, I mean, we say that because we're Western writers, Chuck, but it was very well established for hundreds of years by the time Fibonacci heard about Zero.
0: Yeah, and you also point out, interestingly, that simultaneously and completely independently of India, uh, in Central America, the Maya were also, uh, beginning or already using Zero. Yeah. To, uh, mainly for their calendar, right?
1: Yeah, it was their, uh, it was the base of counting. Um, which makes sense. It totally makes sense. And it makes for a more accurate calendar, right? Sure. So like for Mayan calendars, like the day of the month would be zero day then one day, then two day, then three day and so on. How would you say that though? Cause you say first, second, third, how would you say? They had, um, they had different names for the day, like Zul. Okay. Would be Zul or, you know, Mon or something like that. It was like the, the, Rather than first, second, third, they didn't have numerals like that. Right. Like first, second, third, that's Arabic. Right. So to the Maya, it was like okay. Zul day. Isn't that Ghostbusters? I think so. Okay. But that was, what, Sumerian. Oh, yeah. Zul was Sumerian. It's all coming together. Um. So that does make for a lot more accurate counting. Um. And that's one of the big flaws in our calendar, the Gregorian calendar, is that there is yeah. no zero year.
0: Well, and we all got that pointed out to us quite... Uh, through the the media, especially when uh, the millennium turned, because there's no year zero. Our decades and our centuries and our millennia um, actually occur at the end of that year and not the beginning, like when the clock struck uh, midnight uh, at 2000, we all went, yay, new millennium. Yeah. Not so. And we still had a year left. That's right. Had we
1: started counting from zero, then, yeah, in January 1st, 2000, that would have been the start of the new millennium. But the, the we started counting from one, so one to two
0: thousand is nineteen hundred ninety nine years, rather than two thousand years. And there was one guy in every bar, trying to point out to as many people as he could. Do you realize it's not even true? And he's like, "Why isn't anyone buying me drinks?" For this? <laughs> I know, exactly. So crazy. Why did? Why
1: are they going to beat me up? Yeah. Um, and for, I put a little a little notation in there because I have trouble wrapping my head around that sometimes. But the point is, is there's ten single-digit numbers in the uh, Arabic numerical system that we use. Yes. And it's zero through nine. Makes Anything total sense. Anything beyond that is in the tens column or above. And thanks to zero, we have a ten column. Exactly. Take it, Chuck.
0: Uh, <laughs> well, uh, Western astronomers, they came up with a system, uh, late 17th and early 18th century, mm-hmm. that designated calendar year 1 BC as zero and then basically anything above or below that would either be uh, plus or minus, so uh, B.C. or A.D. Right, so uh,
1: 2 A.D. would be minus 1, or no, 2 B.C. would be minus 1 B.C. Yes. Since we're not living in A.D., they just kind of screwed with the B.C. a little bit, so right now we're in plus 2012.
0: Yes, which also makes, I mean, it's not just calendars. I mean, zero lies between negative 1 and 1, and serves as a fulcrum point for basically all numbering, yeah, positive and negative.
1: And that was Jacques Cassini who came up with that um, astronomical calendar.
0: Boy, those Italians were all up on this stuff, weren't they?
1: I, yeah, I took him to be French, but yeah, I guess it is an Italian. Well, Jacques, thing. though, yeah, who maybe knows? He's, maybe he's Northern Italian. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> um
1: But yeah, so they he he basically said, "Well, wait, why don't we just?" choose one year to be zero and then we'll just basically make it, we'll make the calendar based on zero's rightful place of numbering, which is precisely between one and negative one. There's a zero there. It doesn't just go from negative one to one. Zero is like you said, the fulcrum of all numbers. It spreads out infinitely on either side. So it's not positive and it's not negative. Uh, And um, so it's the only number that is Non-positive and non-negative, but it's neither a positive number nor a negative number. Wrap your head around that one. Yeah.
0: Uh, You college students sitting around here at midnight, just uh, gaze up at the stars and try and figure that out. (laughs) Start counting. Start counting.
1: It's also an integer, a whole number, right?
0: Yes. And uh, it's very handy when it comes up to ratios and fractions because a fraction can be written in a couple of ways, either with uh, the one on top of the other or... With a little decimal point. Yes. And without those zeros, you wouldn't be able to do that.
1: No. So this decimal system, um, basically, it, you can look at it as anything to the right of the decimal. Yes. So the tens, the hundreds, the thousandths, right? The ths. Yeah. Tenths, hundredths, about. Yes. Th- thank you. Yeah, you're getting as bad as me, Chuck. <laughs> um, they, Those are all encapsulated in that zero that's up to positive one, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because it's less than a whole one, but it's not so much that it's negative one. Right. It's encapsulated by that zero. So all of these ratios, all of the decimal system gives us these incredibly precise numbers, whereas we can count in whole numbers to the right of zero in positive whole numbers. That just goes on and on and on and measures the vastness of the universe. Right. To go the other way, to, to go in this infinite decimal system that's encapsulated within zero, lets you measure the infinitesimal Right?
0: Yeah, so it's not like, oh, it's between two and three.
1: Right, I mean, try making like high quality machine parts using whole numbers. Yeah, you can't. No, it can't be done. So there's all sorts of things that would have never taken place had zero not given rise to the decimal system. Or
0: everything would be really big. Yeah. You know, everything would be like twice as large.
1: Like the 10,000 year clock wouldn't even work, remember? They were using
0: like fractions of an inch that still wouldn't work. That's true. Um, what else, Chuck? Well, uh, you point out uh, very astutely some odd properties of zero, yeah. and they are actually called the properties of zero because it's such an, a weird number that you have to have properties to explain it. Exactly. So the, uh, which this first one called is the additive property of zero, well, addition uh, property? Yeah. Add zero to anything, and you're going to get that same thing. That sounds very basic. Same as subtracting. Sure, 5 it, plus 0 is 5, right. 5 minus 0 is 5.
1: Right, it, and it is very basic, but it, 0 is the only number that doesn't affect another number when it's it added or subtracted to it,
0: which is important. It is.
1: Anytime a number is the only thing of of its kind, sure. it's worth mentioning. Like pi. There's, um, which, by the way, wouldn't exist without 0 in the decimal system. Or, or any it, of those other it numbers. It wouldn't <laughs> exist to us. Yeah, true. Um, there's the additive inverse property of 0, where any numbers that add up to zero are additive inverses of one another. So negative five plus positive five, or just five, mm-hmm. as they call it in positive land, yeah. equals zero. So yep. negative five and
0: five are additive inverses of one another. Multiplying? Mm-hmm. From the time you're, I think I learned in the second grade, my multiplication tables, if I remember correctly. Miss Anderson, Miss Temple, thank you very much. Very good, Chuck. uh They uh, taught me that if you multiply any number by zero, you're going to get zero. And as you point out, that multiplication is really just a quicker way of adding things. It's like a shortcut. Yeah, it's a shortcut. So uh, the idea that a number can be added zero times uh, or that zero can be added to itself. That's when I get the most. Yeah, it just doesn't make any sense.
1: Like you, like five times zero doesn't mean zero plus zero plus zero plus zero plus zero. That doesn't mean anything. It's right? Zero. Yeah. Right. What about dividing by zero? Let me ask you. No, let me ask you. This is the part where I was just like, "What?" Nobody understands this. Okay. I well, don't feel very bad about this because no one best really time. understands it. Um, there's no so there's the these other properties of zero that cover like additive inverse addition subtraction multiplication there is no property that says why you can't divide by zero because it's so nonsensical right it doesn't even exist the concept of dividing by zero doesn't really actually exist except in you know the imagination of people i bet mathematicians have tried though like frustratingly mm. tried you can't there's nothing you can do and they don't even fully understand why, but the um, the best explanation that I saw was that it has to do kind of with the multiplication property, right? Mm. To where if you divide something, so like six divided by two equals three. So if you can divide a number, um, the result of that number yeah. by the divisor, so in this case, three and two multiplied by one another should equal the dividend, which is six. Right. Now, if you divide six by zero, right, it doesn't equal anything. It should equal zero if you multiply it. Mm-hmm. It's not going to equal two. Right. Uh, that's the best example I could come up with. Yeah,
0: that makes sense, though. It shouldn't. Like, well, I you're, mean. You're completely insane. It makes sense that it doesn't make sense. Okay. That's what I'm saying.
1: And uh, Stephen Wright had a joke. He said that black holes are where God tried to divide by zero.
0: <coughs> wow, you like that <laughs> <coughs> That's good, <laughs> nice. Stephen Wright. His uh, I still did the, his one bit sometimes when um, people get in the car with me. I say, "Hey, put your seatbelt on." I want to try something. And that was one of his jokes. Nice. He's like, "Just try that whenever someone gets in a car."
1: He's good. Yeah. Um, and then also there's the property of zero exponent, which also doesn't make any sense, Chuck. There's um. You know, there's negative exponents like numbers to the negative power. Like Ten to the negative five. Yes. Yeah. Because of this, mathematically it works out, but I don't understand it. Um, <laughs> numbers to the zero power equal yeah. one. That doesn't make any sense because zero multiplied by something should equal zero, not one. Yeah. That's how it works out though. It's Thank a you. Magical mysterious number. My hero zero. And I ran across one other thing that I thought was pretty cool. Um the, the, the evidence of um, Islamic countries' uh, comfort with zero as a uh-huh. concept right. and Western countries' discomfort with it can be found still today on elevators. In countries where the Ottoman Turks or um, any other Islamic nation um, r- conquered and ruled for a while, uh-huh. you're still going to find evidence of a comfort with zero. Like in Hungary... If you look in Spain I hear too, if you look on an elevator, the ground floor is zero and any floor beneath that is a negative number.
0: Really? Yeah. Like the basement parking, like sub like negative
1: one, negative two. Huh. Isn't that cool? And apparently that's because of the presence of the Turks who were there for a while. Wow. Yeah. I mean they didn't have elevators then, but apparently like the that's like you don't see a floor zero in the west. No, you don't. We just don't like zero that much. Or a 413.
0: Right. Although it is 13. We've had that talk before, I think. We have. Yeah. What do we have here? P1, P2 in our building? Yeah. That's so boring. Definitely not negatives. Let's say that from now on. Like what level you parked on. I'm on negative four. Yeah. People I will like, say that. What?
1: I will say that right now. I'm on uh, negative three. I'm on negative two. I was okay. here early. Good going, Chuck. Yeah. Um. And also, let's see. You can type uh, zero... You got anything else? You're just happy to be done with this one, No,
0: or? this was actually really good. Um, I don't know about that. Zero is my hero. Three um, is a magic number.
1: If you type in zero in this the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com, it will bring up this article, including a cool little story that we didn't get to about a great parrot. True. Uh, And also, I highly encourage if if this even piqued your interest at all, I highly encourage you to read uh, Zero in Four Dimensions, which is an article you can find online from 2002 by a guy named Hossein Arsham, and he explains in much greater depth and detail like zero and what's
0: so cool about it. Or if you want to really get into it, Robert Kaplan wrote a whole book on it, and I believe it comes with a length of rope and a buttress beam to hang yourself at, <laughs> at, the, at the end. We should do one on three. All right. I pitched that article... Long time ago. Long time ago. I remember. On uh, on three. Yep. I remember. So those would be our two numbers. I'd have to write it, though, so I don't know if that'll ever happen. Get to it. Okay. I wrote this so we could do this. You're more of
1: a man than me. <laughs> um, I think at some point in the not-too-distant past, Chuck, I said search bar. Yes. So that means it's time for Listener Mail. Hold on, Josh. I think you have a quick announcement first. I do. I psyched myself out. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, Chuck, we are going to be in Austin, Texas on March 11th and 12th. That's Sunday and Monday for South by Southwest Interactive, right? Uh, we are going to have our own panel. We're not even on a panel talking with some other schmoes about like Mashable or Twitter or the like. We are doing a live podcast like we did last year. Remember the How UFOs Work one? The really <laughs> yeah. awkward, uncomfortable one uh-huh. where I started crying. We're going to do something like that, Um, and we don't know what the topic is yet, but if you are a badge holder for South by Southwest, come see us. Uh, It's going to be on Sunday, March 11th at Mm 3.30, hour long. We don't know where yet, but we will announce maybe on the internet, like Twitter or um, uh, Facebook. Sure, and on the show. We'll find out soon. Sure, yeah. Um, and if you aren't a badge holder at South by Southwest, but you like to go and just kick around Austin, you'll be there on Monday. We're gonna throw a party, and we can't reveal really the details of that yet, <laughs> but just know that we'll be in town and we'll be doing cool stuff, okay? I think there will be live music,
0: I think there will be live comedy, and I think there will be some other special treats. Yes,
1: like those, uh, like Smarties, the rolls of Smarties. We may have those yeah. for free, uh-huh. they're good. Uh, They beat the tar out of Necco wafers, don't they? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, that's it uh, for us making fun of old-timey candy, which means it's time for listener mail.
0: Indeed. I'm going to call this uh, coffee, including coffee song, from a listener. Okay. This is from Ashley. Uh, Great work on the coffee podcast, gents. I uh, could have saved my last four years of work at a cafe just by listening to you all. Really, though, it was a splendid way to spend my days. Getting to know the locals in downtown Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, North America.
1: Have we entered the song yet? Because she rhymed a second ago.
0: No, that is not the song. Okay. That's coming. That's great. Uh, She's just a rhymer by nature, I think. Uh, While I can't say I'm a total coffee snobber expert, I do have a thought on the old why is Starbucks so bitter debate. I think that part of the taste comes from the number of beans used in the blend. For instance, at the cafe I used to run, we served both Milano coffee and then... Umbria, I believe that each of these companies, plus the coffee I now drink, called Intelligentsia, nice. contains a blend of beans, as many as 15 different kinds, to create that smooth balance <laughs> I really love in my Americanos. Is her last
1: name Starbucks?
0: <laughs> no, no, no. She's saying Starbucks doesn't use the blend. Oh, gotcha. it's okay. more bitter. Gotcha. Her name is Mom and Pop. Got gotcha. Her last name. Uh, as far as I understand, Starbucks may use as few as one to three types of beans, and their espresso blend. Uh, Like I said, I think this may be a part of uh, the story, but not likely the whole story. On another note, since leaving the cafe, I now work with a group of software nerds who used to visit my cafe on a regular basis. So now I, too, get to go for coffee every day. It's one of the perks of the job, pun intended. Uh, We uh, we even have a little coffee song, and she recorded this and sent it to us. So we're going to play that right now. Coffee, 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 coffee all day long. When I eat some coffee, I sing the coffee song. Well, that's the G-rated version I learned. <laughs> this is the other version I learned a little bit later on. It goes like this. Coffee, 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 coffee all day long. If I don't get my coffee, I'll punch out in this. So how about that, Josh? That was something else. Thank you, Ashley, for that. Yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, she says, as you can tell, we're a bit mad about our coffee drinking. It's the new smoke break for us.
1: What um wh- where where is that person from?
0: Uh she didn't say. Oh no, she did say. I'm sorry. Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Oh, that's right. Earth. Yeah. That's right. Well, thank you very much for that. We appreciate
1: you and um your coworkers for making that song, for listening, for drinking coffee, indeed, for caring. That's great. Yeah. Um if you have a song, Chuck, we get them from time to time and I feel like we should we should be better about playing them. Yes. Uh, we want to hear it. You can, uh, I guess, make it as like an MP3, MP4. mp is good. Right, Uh-oh. Jerry? MP3. <laughs> uh, and uh, you can send it to us. You can tweet to us and tell us it's on the way at uh, SYSK Podcast. You can go on to Facebook and tell us it's on the way at facebook.com. And you can actually send it to us at stuffpodcast at discovery.com. What? Discovery.com. Oh. Okay. Uh, that's Stuff Podcast at Discovery.com.
0: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes.